Welcome to an inspiring message from Awaken City Church. For more information about us, visit awakencity.com.au. We are in the season of Vision Builders and uh, our, our heartbeat and our theme is to be devoted to His house. And I just felt so humbled. It's such a humbling reminder for uh, Claude and myself and for all those who have journeyed with us at 25 years ago, what has taken place from then to now. It truly is a humbling reminder. And as I reflect on the generations that have come through our children's church, I was talking to our lovely Edith here this morning and, you know, she was teaching my children. (laughs) She was babysitting my daughter when I used to come and volunteer and help in the office during the week. And we weren't pastors at that time. We were youth pastors. And and I think of the journey we've done. And when I think of that, I think of all the youth that have come through. I think of all the children we've dedicated. I've just think of all the weddings and those people that we've celebrated their lives as they graduated to heaven. As I look over the years, the souls that have been reached, you know, that beautiful lady that Claude was sharing this morning, the testimony, she said to me this morning, Kate, she said, you know, my son gave his heart to the Lord many years ago. And God said, go where your son got saved. I think, I look back at that and I think, God, you are amazing. And I look at all that and I think, this is what Vision Builders is all about. You know, I'm not, Claude and I are not disillusioned. We know it's not us. We know it's those who have, are vision builders, who have partnered in the work of God, in their giving, in their resources, in their time and talent here at Awakened City. It's the carriers of His heavenly vision and mission who have fought the battles in prayer, who have stood alongside us through the victories over the years. And we are forever grateful. So I want each and every one of you to put your hand together because you are the vision builders. You are the ones. You are the ones that are making room for the next generations, for the many years to come. You know, the story, the story about us is, as um, most of you are aware, but for some of you who don't, we, we, uh, we started off in this church. Uh, we've been pastoring now, senior ministers for 25 years. But before that, we were volunteers for four years as youth pastors. Not only were we volunteers as youth pastors, but Claude was also the service team leader on a Sunday. And so, you know, we, would, um, we were asked... Uh, to take on the church, we were asked to take on the church, not on the best circumstances. And so, um, you know, we did what we should do and went to go and pray and ask the Lord, is this what we're meant to do? Now, I feel like Claude already knew what the Lord had said to him, but I needed to hear from God for myself. And he knew that I needed to hear God for myself. And when I went to the Lord and I asked him, Lord, is this really what we're meant to do? We feel so unprepared. This is not the plan we had right now. Um, He did speak to me. And you know, the way He spoke to me is that He gave me this deep, overwhelming compassion and love for the people. That's how He spoke to me. Not, yes, you are going to be a senior minister. No, you're going to have this position or title. But He gave me this overwhelming compassion and love for the people. And better than that, He gave me a love for this city. You know, I've got to be honest with you. At one, well, I'm always honest, but you know, this time I'm extra honest. You know, at one stage, sometimes I just keep quiet because I can't be, I shouldn't be honest. But you know, I've, I, <laughs> but you know, I didn't have a love for this city. I was here because I loved Claude. 
And he lived here and he brought me here. I loved my church, I loved the people, but he gave me this love for the city, this passion for the city. And I became very defensive over the city. That's how I knew I was called to do what I was meant to do. You know, this is for some of you who have not heard our journey. Our vision here is to be a Bible-believing, people-empowering, soul-winning, nation-changing church. Our commission and call into the ministry came from Luke 4.18. And this is the beginning where Jesus began His earthly ministry. And we know prior to that in Luke chapter 4 is where He come out of the wilderness. He'd been fasting and praying for 40 days, 40 nights, not eating a thing. And he was tempted by the devil. But it says that Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, went to Nazareth, his hometown. And as was his custom, he went to the house of God, being a Sunday. And he opened the scroll in Isaiah and he said this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to be hope for the poor, freedom for the brokenhearted, and new eyes for the blind, and to preach to prisoners, you are set free. I have come to share the message of Jubilee, for the time of God's great acceptance has begun. Vision builders, God has anointed you to be hope traffickers. He has anointed you to help others find freedom, to give, breathe light, to forget give fresh vision for those who don't have it and preach the good news to everyone. You know, vision builders, we are devoted to the extension of His footprints here on earth and we are here to make room for more in His house. Our focus is to build the house of God and we do that by building into people. We are passionate for God and people. We exist to know Him and make Him known to others. Our mantra is we want to be big enough to impact but small enough to care. We are here to reach out to rescue and teach to transform lives. How many of us believe that? Now as our world becomes increasingly more and more confused. Have you noticed that? It's imperative that God's house is where people find truth and life, the right way of doing things. It's a very sad day when the church starts to echo what the world is saying and doing instead of what we should be echoing what the Word of God says, amen? And here at Awakened City, we've done our very best to deliver you the unfiltered Word of God. We've done our very best. It's not always been popular. I can assure you of that. But nevertheless, we have made a stand. The Word of God is our final authority. Amen. See, truth should not offend you, but it should liberate you. The Bible says it's the truth that shall make you free. It's the Son who sets you free. And we are here as a church to lift people's standards in their lives and to increase our faith. Our value is to be a strong church founded upon the Word of God, a mighty army of disciples impacting this generation for the Lord Jesus Christ through worship of God, witness to the world and caring ministry to one another. That is our value.
And this morning we're going to come around the Word of God and we're going to look at a very familiar passage. In fact, if you belong to a Pentecostal church, you've read this a number of times. But let me tell you, there is so much more to it. And if you would just just have an, a, a leanness, a leaning in and an openness to hear something different this morning. This passage of Scripture in Acts chapter 2, and we're going to read from verse 42, is a perfect model for a New Testament church. They were passionate for God and people. They were all connected to Christ. They cared for one another and they all belonged to a community of faith. They were the family of God. And this pattern for us, if we follow it, we will become an even better thriving church than what we are now. We will be an authentic thriving church and family. You know, verse 1 starts off where it says, On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. I love that, where it says all the believers were meeting together in one place. And we know what happens here. The Holy Spirit came and filled every single one of them, baptising them with the Holy Spirit and fire. Peter, the Apostle Peter, full of the Holy Ghost, boldness came upon him and he preached the Word of the Lord to the crowds. And we know that we read here that 3,000 people were saved that day and a community of believers were formed. We're going to read today from verse 42 and I want us just to lean in here this morning. It says here that every believer was faithfully devoted to the following, sorry, to the following the teachers of the apostles. Their hearts were moved, sorry, my words are not coming out very well. Let me start again. Every believer was faithfully devoted to following the teachings of the apostles. Their hearts were mutually linked to one another, sharing communion and coming together regularly for prayer. A deep sense of holy awe swept over everyone. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. All the believers were in fellowship as one body and they shared with one another whatever they had. Out of generosity, they even sold their assets to distribute their proceeds to those who were in need among them. Daily, they met together in the temple courts and in in one another's homes to celebrate communion They shared meals together with joyful hearts and tender humility. They were continually filled with the praises to God, enjoying the favour of all people. And the Lord kept adding their number daily, those who were coming to life. Isn't that powerful? Now there's a common thread through it all. It starts off by saying, every believer. Every believer was faithfully devoted. They were all in unity. They were all in one accord. They were all connected to Christ, His church and each other. All the believers, every single one of them. And if there's one thing that COVID has taught me, 
There's only one thing all COVID has highlighted to me is our need for a greater connected, commitment to connectedness in these areas. You know, we've, we are a, a people that must be interdependent, not independent or isolated because it's in the cluster that we are protected and empowered to produce. One little grape is not going to produce some wine. It's in the cluster connected to the vine that will produce in our lives and we will thrive and we will flourish. It's in the cluster that we are protected. It's in the cluster that we are going to produce far greater. See, coming to church is good. It's good. Committing is better. But contributing is essential. And this is the thread that we see in this passage of Scripture. See, the early church, the community of believers had this very one important pattern. They were all contributing. Now, if we follow this divine principle, we don't have to wait for a move of God. We become the move of God. Can you just see it, church? If every believer was devoted to contributing, not, it's not just about the house, to the people of God, Amen. we would have a move of God. Every believer was faithfully devoted. They were con- contributors. This is a picture of the church here. But you know what? This is also a picture of us as a family, your family. Sadly, we are seeing today the breakdown of the family unit because we've lost what it means to be faithfully devoted. Our hearts link to one another, to our, to our siblings, to our brothers, our sisters, our husbands and wives, being faithfully devoted. Our hearts link to one another. See, humanistic individualism feeds lawlessness. And this is what the last days is all about. It's a spirit of lawlessness. A side note here. Right now, if a bill is passed in Parliament here in WA, a parent loses his or her voice to lead and guide her family or his family. See, that's why we must understand honouring God and one another, being contributors to is the key to it all. A family has a father and a mother, not to lord but to lead them. And it's for the protection of families and the family of God. And it takes a devoted community to raise a family. It's essential, church, for us to be contributors to His church if we want this move of God, not only in in, in in the body of Christ, but in our families. Secondly, they were faithfully devoted in prayer. Every believer was devoted. Their hearts were mutually linked to one another, sharing communion and coming together regularly for prayer. Colossians 4.2 says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Let me just say this, is an urgency. There has never been like now that ever before. Now is the time for each and every one of us, fathers, mothers, grandchildren to step up and start praying for your family. Start praying for the family of God. It's so imperative. It's not a time to shrink back. It's not a time to sit down. It's time to step up in your prayer devotion. 
You know, when we pray together, we stay together. Our hearts become mutually linked to one another. And when we come together and pray, we become less critical on who and what we are praying of what we are praying for. Forgiveness is just a, a part of life. Our devotion to one another just goes up to a whole new level because it's passion for people that actually connects us. Revival began when people prayed together. It says that the, there was a holy awe that swept over everyone with many miraculous signs and wonders. You know, when God met Solomon and appeared to him in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, it says, he says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and heal their land. Now we've often reflected on that passage of Scripture, but it goes on to say this. He says that now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to prayer made in this place. For now I have chosen and sanctified this house that my name may be there forever and my eyes will be there perpetually. That's why, church, this is not a time for us to sit down and shrink. We must devote ourselves to praying. Let's make our prayer meetings the most well-attended service we have ever had. It's not the size of our church, it's the size of our prayer meetings that God gets, we get God's attention. His eyes will be open. His ears attentive in this place. Let's devote ourselves to praying. Pray for your spouse. Pray for your loved ones. Pray for our church. Pray for everyone because now is the time we must perpetually pray. Let's believe God for revival in our hearts by praying through everything that God has placed in our hearts because it's prayer that connects us. It says all the believers were in fellowship as one body and they shared whatever they had. They were generous. They met in homes. They met in, their, in, in church every day. They shared meals together. They had communion together. What we see here was that every believer was devoted in serving one another. They served each other with their time, their talents and their resource. They passionately served God and each other. They fellowshiped as one body. They daily met in the house of God and had connect groups. They worshipped in the temple and served one another in their homes. They didn't work or give for His love but they were generous and served and gave from His love. Just like we don't work for our salvation, but there is a working out of our salvation. We don't work because we're trying to get God's love. We've already got it, but we work from His love. I believe, I honestly believe the new move of God is in Psalm 110 verse 3. 
where the psalmist says, in the last days, your people will volunteer freely on the day of your power. There will be a willingness to serve one another, to give our time, our resource, our talents, our graces, everything that God has placed on the inside of us and freely and willingly serve one another with it. You know, I'm actually seeing this come to pass. I think over the last four weeks, I've had at least one or two people each week make an appointment to see me and say, look, I've been coming to this church for a little while. I'm relatively new here, but how can I help? How can I serve? I just love this place. I want to do something. I want to be a partner in the house of God. You know, so many of us, and I'm guilty of it too, we've, we've come to the altar, we've surrendered our lives. We said, Lord, I'll do anything for You. Use me for Your glory. Just use me, Lord. I'll do anything. And then we complain because it doesn't fit our time. It doesn't fit our schedule and it changes our lifestyle and we complain. And there's a minority, only a minority, a narrative that goes out. Oh, the church is just using me. The church is just using me. You know what? You know what? I don't feel appreciated anymore. They just want my money. Do you know what? God doesn't want to use you. He doesn't. He appreciates you. He doesn't just want your money. He wants everything from you. He wants everything. He wants everything. But He doesn't want you to do it unless you're willing to do it. It's a willing heart because He didn't make us robots. He gave us a choice to choose. I've been guilty at times and I confess that sometimes there has been selfish thoughts, particularly as a pastor when I have been rejected, I have been persecuted, I have been cursed even. And they're the people I've prayed for. They're the people that I've left everything. I've gone to be with them when they've delivered children. I've, I've even left one night in a hotel with my husband just to go and deliver a baby with a person. But you know what? The Lord spoke to me and said, Carolyn, they're not your sheep, they're my sheep. You didn't do it for them, you did it for me. Because if you do the least of my brethren, you do it for me. And then I remembered what I said, use me, Lord. I'll do anything for you. (laughs) See, we can never outgive or outserve God. For God so loved the world that He gave. Jesus came to serve, not be served. Romans chapter 12, verse 10. I can't read it all because of time. But it says, Be devoted to tenderly loving your fellow believers as members of one family. Try to outdo yourselves in respect and honour of one another. Be enthusiastic to serve the Lord. Keep your passion towards Him boiling hot. I'm going to read the rest. It's just too good. Radiate with the glow of the Holy Spirit and let Him fill you with excitement as you serve Him. Let this hope burst forth within you, releasing a continual joy. Don't give up in a time of trouble, but commune with God at all times. Take a constant interest in the needs of God's beloved people and respond by helping them. And eagerly welcome people as guests into your home. Speak blessing, not cursing of, over those who rejected and persecuted you. That was a good reminder for me. Celebrate with those who you, you celebrate and sweep with those, um, sorry, weep with those who grieve. Live happily together in a spirit of harmony and be as mindful of another's worth as your own. Don't live with a lofty mindset thinking you are too important to serve others, but be willing 
willing to do menial tasks and identify with those who are humbly minded. Don't be smug or even think for a moment that you know it all. You know, as the family of God, we are all part of the body of Christ. And when we faithfully devote in our giving and our serving, that's when the church is at its healthiest because we are one body. We have one Christ. He is the head of the church. When we are all connected to Christ, we are all contributors in prayer and serving one another. When we have caring ministry to one another, we belong to a community of faith. See, being passionate in our serving one another is actually what connects us. It says, and finally, and this is the heartbeat of our church, they were all faithfully devoted to the Great Commission. He said, each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who are being saved. You know, this is our heartbeat. You've heard over the last couple of weeks of areas, various areas, locally and globally as a church, what we do from a mission perspective. You know, we have, we have reached the far, furthest, farthest corners of the world. We have built things, we have empowered people, we have run crusades in rice fields and we've seen thousands of people come to Christ. We've helped churches, uh, we've done humorous mission focuses. You know, lo locally we, we support EUR and we've done many things personally and individually, you know, because that is the church, right? We all have it. But, you know, personally, I think perhaps we've forgotten that we have our own mission field. Your neighbour, your gym friend, your work colleague, that school mum, that's your mission field. That's the church in action. That's what it's all about. You know, I truly believe the Lord spoke to me. He says, I believe the new day is there's a recommissioning to the Great Commission. We've forgotten. I think COVID has made us become very insular and inward focused. But we must be recommissioned to the Great Commission because it's not an omission. God, that was a command by the Lord. But it is birthed out of the same pattern from the early church. We've got to be faithfully devoted to Christ. Be contributors in His church. Have compassion for people. Be potent in our prayers and service to one another. This is the church in action. Jesus in the flesh, full of the Holy Spirit and power. You know, we see Jesus walking the earth, but He was moved by compassion. He was preaching, healing, teaching, delivering people, and it was all because of his compassion for people. We even heard the, the message about the little boy with the, with the loaves and fishes. Jesus was feeling for the people because they were hungry. It's compassion for people that gets you to the door, but it's passion for people that, that will get you through. Compassion for people compels us. But the Great Commission is what connects us. This is what fully encompasses what it is to be a vision builder. We are here to reach out, to rescue and teach to transform lives. Church, 
Let's continue to stay the course. Let's take courage. Let's continue to understand that we are here to lift people's standards of life. We are here to raise people's lives and to increase our faith. That's why we are here. Thanks for listening to this message. We hope it has blessed you. If you would like to find out more about Awaken City Church, visit awakencity.com.au.